welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, reading from the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Any person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I thank you again for joining me on this this interesting day, in this interesting time in in which we live. And... uh, would say merely in passing the second lesson is not about marriage it talks about marriage but it's not about marriage it's about the law and uh, the gospel lesson uh, is uh, itself um, very uh, rich and complicated but I also observe that these lessons today as do many through the long season identified um, as Sundays after Pentecost, I think where is it the third Blaine or the fourth you uh, fourth after Pentecost, admittedly tend to leave me kind of uninspired. That being so, I tell you honestly, I look forward to the fall uh, when holidays and commemorations will again begin to line up on the church calendar. You know, the end of October, it takes about that long. We'll have Reformation Sunday and then All Saints Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, and then there's Thanksgiving on that Thursday in November, and then Advent and Christmas. And I find that time of year for me just much more inspiring. This morning, I want to share a few observations with you, apart from the appointed texts. The observations I find germane to this chaotic world uh, we found ourselves living in uh, midway through the year 2020. Now that said, I begin with an observation that, that any time a church historian, a Lutheran theologian, or many pastors hear about mobs of people 
moving through town and tearing down statues, smashing artwork, their ears should pick up, perk up. Such behavior leaves the historian wondering if one of the Reformation's darker consequences might be afoot once again. Iconoclasm. There's a word you don't hear very often. Iconoclasm. But you need to know that word. You need to know that word particularly in light of the world in which we find ourselves. Iconoclasm. You need to know it particularly today. So let me define iconoclasm for you. I want you to be able to take that home and, 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 and pronounce it today, okay? Iconoclasm is a, a social construct, a social belief in the importance of the destruction of icons. Icons in the form of images, statues, and monuments. This sort of destruction is most often aimed at religious or political targets and people who engage in or support iconoclasm are iconoclasts. Okay, the person is an iconoclast. And so for some historical perspective, uh, let's turn to the so-named iconoclastic controversy of the 16th century. The term was born during the Protestant Reformation, started by the Augustinian monk, our spiritual namesake, Martin Luther. Luther and his 95 theses, his 95 points he wanted to debate within the church for the benefit of the church, he nailed those to the castle church door the year 1517, and in so doing, triggered what has come to be called the Reformation, the birth of protesters within the church, or Protestants. Martin Luther's writings and Gutenberg's printing press together ignited a fire within the church that spread out of control and beyond Germany, and it burned with a white-hot fury of religious passion. And as we know, Luther's theological perspectives and his insights, they didn't remain just in Germany, they spread throughout Europe. Luther's theology, Luther's theology, although remaining very close to that of the Roman Catholic Church, nevertheless provided the impetus and rationale for others, other religious leaders in Europe, to expand upon anything Luther had said or had written in Germany. And so as we look in Switzerland and in England, Denmark and Scotland, a pent-up energy, a pent-up frustration with the church seated in Rome erupted into far-reaching changes. Those fueled with a religious zeal translated these views into actions and sometimes direct and often violent actions. But it was in 
Wittenberg, Germany. In the year 1520, exactly 500 years ago, this very year, while Prince Frederick the Wise had hidden Luther from papal authorities, disguising him as Knight George, that iconoclasm was born. In Luther's absence, while he was hidden in a castle to protect him, his one-time allies began destroying some of Europe's great works of art. Art often depicting Christ or the saints. Statues were toppled. Windows, stained glass windows, were smashed. Vestments were burned. Why? Because Luther's students, under the influence of others, had adopted overly zealous readings of the Ten Commandments, and particularly and specifically a commandment that prohibited the creation of all graven images. Well, Luther, while he's sequestered in the castle, disguised as a knight, was horrified by what he saw. And so emerging as Knight George from his hiding place, Luther sought to quell the rioting peasants under the leadership of those influential one-time allies of his. Luther insisting that while reading scripture, picturing Christ in one's mind could hardly be wrong. And if such mental imagery was not wrong, neither could it be wrong to translate that mental picture of Christ into an artistic rendering. But alas, the genie was out of the bottle destruction of sacred art became widespread. In contrast to those who came to be called Lutherans as a title of derision, right? Luther was appalled that they were being called Lutherans. In contrast to those who came to be called Lutherans who favored secular art both in their churches and in their homes, the leaders of reformed churches in Europe, in particular, a man named Andreas Karlstadt and Huldrych Zwingli and John Calvin, but these men encouraged the destruction and the removal of religious images. This resulted in attacks on statues and images unless the civil authorities, princes and knights, had removed the art from the newly reformed Protestant cities and areas of Europe. This is what came to be called the great iconoclastic controversy of Protestant Christianity and the Protestant church in the Middle Ages. It can be seen in churches even to this day as you look at the houses of worship of various traditions, art and architecture. Roman Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, tend to be more ornate and focusing upon art and an altar. 
or as churches of the, uh, the uh, uh, reform movement tend to focus upon the speaker and be devoid of much art and architecture. Here is in part what Luther thought as he dealt with Zwingli and others who rejected all man-made art. Luther with an equal concern for the word but far more conservative in his approach would have all art be servants of the gospel and he wrote of that, I'm quoting Luther, wherein he said, I am not of the opinion that through the gospel all the art should be banished and driven away as some zealots want to make us believe. But I wish to see them all, especially music, in the service of him who gave and created them. We therefore kindly beg these fanatics to permit us to paint these pictures on the wall that they may be remembered and better understood in as much as they can harm as little on the walls as in books. I think Luther could see the next step would be that of banning of books. Luther went on to write, Would to God that I could persuade those who can afford it to paint the whole Bible on their house, inside and out, so that all might see it. Whether I want to or not, when I hear of Christ, a human form hanging upon a cross rises up in my heart, just as I see my natural face reflected when I look into water. Now, if it is not sinful for me to have Christ's picture in my heart, why should it be sinful to have it before my eyes? It has been these past days with this information fresh in my mind that I have watched, as many of you have, the most recent iteration of the summer of 2020's civil unrest. Again, reminding me in very many ways that humans have not really progressed all that far since 1520, 500 years ago, when Europeans tore down statues with religious fervor. This summer, I see remarkable parallels and similarities in what is taking place and what I studied years ago that took place. I even see, I think, features of a new agnostic, maybe atheistic religion being born. Maybe an American religion, a civil religion. Ironically, while there has been a convergence of interests in this summer's events or this year's events, everything from COVID-19 to questions of policing in cities to race relations and, yes, a presidential election campaign, the chief evangelists, as opposed to those who seem to be mere opportunists this summer, appear to be young white people of privilege acting as the 
orchestrators of roving mobs, pouring forth from the suburbs and with the universities on a summer break, having convinced themselves of their personal righteousness, a new religion's iconoclasts have emerged. This new religion's iconoclasts have taken to the streets to do what? To do what was done 500 years ago this year, to tear down and to smash and to destroy all with a sense of righteousness. And I think there's even more. Since the death of a man in Minneapolis who has this nascent religion elevated to the curious status of martyr, other features of a new religion have appeared. If you watch news coverage, you see sermons abound, people preaching with loudspeakers, shouting to educate and to encourage the faithful. There are orthodoxies, things that must be believed, such as Black Lives Matter, or abolish the police. But if there are orthodoxies, so too are there heresies. All lives matter, some contend, or blue lives matter. And in true religious fashion, you see, the heretics are identified, and then they're punished sometimes socially, sometimes physically. Now, oddly, I've seen a reappearance, uh, again, of repentance. Repentance has again become fashionable in our country. I would have never thought. Fashionable as CEOs and Corporations, both great and small, seek absolution for past sins, real or imagined, by donating millions and tens of millions of dollars to poorly defined entities. These gifts are sacrificial acts of atonement. There has been kneeling, well that's ubiquitous now, there has been kneeling. There has been televised ritual foot washing appropriated from the Christian church. Mostly Caucasian members of Congress took to wearing stoles, took to wearing stoles of African culture, humbly confessing their sin and kneeling so as to signal their virtue in hope of securing the blessing, the votes, of a political constituency. Indeed, as I think about this, America might well be seeing the birth of some kind of new religion. It has all the trappings and hallmarks of a religious movement. It's appropriated all manner of religious conduct. The question, I think, is where such a religion will lead. 
and what deities it might adore. Here I think I have a suggestion for an answer. This new religion might well not have a single deity at all as we have thought of gods or any external deity. What might be forthcoming could be a religion wherein everyone is their own god. Virtue arising from the infinite perfectibility of human nature might rule supreme. This helps me understand the strong affinity for a new religion among relatively well-to-do white college students, children of privilege, eager to shake off, to shun their parents' past in order to prove their themselves and that their that privilege is now beneath them and behind them. It could be this is another manifestation of what being woke means. So it is this summer of 2020. I am again mindful that precisely 500 years ago in Germany during the Reformation, Others went about toppling statues, tearing down images with religious passion, believing their cause to be righteous. They took to the streets. They pulled down offending statues. They smashed art. They destroyed in the name of creation. And by so doing, proclaiming their God's blessing. Sadly, in the end, many of those actions and actors were eventually revealed to be little more than self-celebrating. Self-celebration, that might be a new sacrament. Self-celebration. And Christians, you see, Christianity has a word for that. Self-celebration, it's a simple word. But a powerful word, so powerful in fact, that and all-encompassing, that it would require a savior to remedy it. The word I am thinking of is sin. Sin. Self-celebration is sin. A religion without a savior at its center will not likely long endure, even as those statutes, statues and monuments of the newly religious statues that they abhor fall prey to the sinful men and women they are. Your new word, iconoclast, whether 500 years ago or today across Europe or across the USA, the iconoclast's hallmark feature is destruction, not creation. They consume far more than they contribute. And so it is, I think, with a discerning eye, historians, the curious, the passionate, and the committed must look upon the events 
of this hot summer, 2020. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.